This week's podcast brought to you by Hand Puppet Hypnotizers. Our youngest daughter said to me this week while we were driving in the car, I've got a a song stuck in my head, but I can't remember what it is. And I said, if it's if it's if you can't remember what it is, it isn't stuck in your head. And she says, but it is. And I know it has some funk to it. 24 hours later, she said, I remember the song. Uptown Funk You Up. Uptown Funk You Up. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, as we record this, we are on the sixth day of our six day weekend. Is that right? Or the seventh day? Let's see. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Tuesday. Well, Wednesday was a half day. And then Monday and Tuesday after the Thanksgiving weekend have been snow days. And this happened to us, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but we had a ton of snow days on Mondays or on Tuesdays if Monday was a holiday. I distinctly remember the Tuesday after Martin Luther King Day being a snow day. And I just remember this because by the time the weekend is over, especially a long holiday weekend, I'm ready for the kids to go back to school. And that's when we tend to have the snow days and we get extra days with our lovely children. Um, Like today, after the snow day yesterday, I was ready for them to go back just because you and I both have work that we need to get done in the home. And our children, after, you know, playing outside or doing whatever, tend to bicker with one another. They've been kind of confined to their home for a few days. Everybody's stir crazy. But that made me think when you were a kid... You and I have talked about this, but I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast. Uh, Sunday evening, when you would dread, there'd be Sunday evening. For me, when I was a little kid, it was the wonderful world of Disney would come on. And it was at like 7 p.m. Central Time. And that was like, oh my gosh, my weekend is running out, like sands through the hourglass. Ours was The Muppet Show. The Muppet Show as well. Absolutely. The Muppet Show. Lawrence Welk was on Sunday night. Not that anybody wanted to watch it, but it was on. And those were sort of the uh, the uh, canary in the coal mine that, that your weekend was about to expire. But I didn't really dread it. I just remember Sunday evenings being the quietest time in our house the entire week. Usually my mom would have made a nice Sunday meal so the house would still you know, have the pleasant aromas from that. And I would be upstairs watching um, The Muppet Show or whatever. But I don't remember dreading the next day. Just feeling a sense of, all right, the weekend's over. And we're about to hit the ground running again in the morning. Well, that's where you're different because I think our kids genuinely or generally dread going back to school on Monday morning, as many people dread yeah. going to work on Monday morning. True, yes. You're saying you've never felt more alive than Sunday night going into Monday morning because the kids are going back to school. You're saying that now that I feel that way? Well, no, it's I, I enjoy the weekend. I think two days, and, and usually on the weekends, no matter what time of year, we're running off to this or that sporting event with the kids. Our weekends are never these super relaxing times. They're very, very busy. This time of year, I work every Sunday. I'm just saying that usually 
you know, by the end of the weekend, it's time, okay, to get the kids off to school, but especially a long weekend, and especially this, this is going on a week now. And, um, and they too, even our, our daughter, our youngest this morning, when she heard that she had another full snow day, she came down, she said, do we have a delay? How long's our delay? I said, you have another snow day. And she was disappointed. She said, I want to see, it's a new month. I want to see which way the teacher has arranged the desks. I think they too, part of them, want to get back to school and be with all their friends. No question. And they can only play so much Yahtzee. Uh, hundreds of rounds of Yahtzee have hundreds been played of over the last of Yahtzee, six days. Yes. Uh, hundreds of hallway hoops contests have gone down. Yep. We've so many that um, the backboard has cracked. It's not yet shattered, but it's it's on its way out, and we're going to have to get a new one. I did notice that. Was that from our son dunking, or is that from you dunking with a little too too much force on the hoop? Well, unfortunately, I can't hang from the rim because the rim is below my right my arm level. But um, so it must have been from him. But uh, I will uh, shoulder the cost of the new backboard. As a result of this stir craziness, they're they are tired at the end of the day, but they don't want to go to bed because they know. They're, they're gambling that there'll be a delay in the morning or that there'll be no school. So they're staying up too late. And last night I said to our son, get to bed. It's a quarter to 10. And he said, can I stay up until a penny to 10? <laughs> <laughs> Did you let him? Well, for that reason Just alone, Just for that reason. <laughs> if you get off a good line, I, I'm more, more likely to let you get away with murder. Yeah, well done by him. Speaking of that sort of thing, when we were coming back from a... Well, we left one of the kids' basketball games early. When I say we, my our youngest and I did. You were staying and coaching our son. And uh, and she told me an interesting story. You know, in the car, when she's in the back seat and I'm driving. This is our nine-year-old. Our nine-year-old. And we're not facing each other. Somehow, the the sort of uber confessions come out. But I'm the driver. She's the passenger. This is not really an uber confession. Although, I guess it is. If I'm the Uber driver, this is a passenger-to-driver confession. So perhaps we should cue the theme. He drives part-time. It's not his chosen profession, but it gives him a chance to share his life's lessons. It's time for the segment we call Uber Confessions. So on the way back from that youth basketball game, our youngest told me, um, confessed to me, if you will, that... um, she was watching a show. She thought it was America's Got Talent, in which, uh, as she put it, um, what do you call it when you swing the necklace back and forth in front of somebody's face to get them to do something? And I realized she was talking about a hypnotist. Mm-hmm. I said, was somebody being hypnotized? And she said, yes, the hypnotizer. And I corrected her. I said, the hypnotist. She said, yeah, the, the hypnotizer. Um was hypnotizing a puppet. She said, I think it was a puppet. It might have been a dog. (laughs) And I didn't want to get hypnotized, so I ran upstairs. And I tried She was afraid that she was going to get hypnotized from watching the hypnotizer hypnotize a puppet. Yes, well, first of all, if you can't successfully hypnotize your own hand puppet... There's a problem. You're not much of a hypnotizer? Yes. Um, But she was asking me, could she have been hypnotized through the TV? And you know what? I I said, I didn't think so, but I didn't know. I've never been to a hypnotist, like in a high school auditorium or something. I've seen people 
claimed to be hypnotized and kind of you know bark like a dog or whatever. I know people have claimed to have quit smoking through hypnosis. Is it a is it a thing? Yeah, I think it's a thing. I, I remember when I was at UConn, one of the big events every year was in the fall. They'd bring the hypnotist, I forget the guy's name, in in the big auditorium at UConn, and all the students would go, and they would come away with stories of people getting hypnotized. I never went and uh, and watched him, but yeah, I've had a friend tell me that uh, through hip, hypnosis, she um, it was a, a huge uh, weight loss tool for her. Um, she just stopped having any interest in eating certain foods. So she never felt like she was being denied these foods because she, through the hypnotism, had just had zero interest in eating these foods and had and had lost a ton of weight. So it, it does certainly work for some people. And some non-people, some puppets and some dogs, <laughs> presumably. <laughs> right, exactly. And possibly dog puppets. My other favorite line of hers this week um, Not the dog puppet, but our daughter. Our daughter, who who um, this is this comes under the category of I'm silently correcting your grammar. I didn't silently correct her grammar. I'm not even sure I could have diagnosed the grammatical uh, catastrophe that this was, but I loved it, and I didn't. I don't want to, you know, nag this out of her. She threw me her uh, uh, sweatpants last night at basketball practice and said, uh, "Can you right side these in?" Because I inside these out. <laughs> Can you right side these in? Because I inside these out. And I love the fact that she made the past tense of these. Right. Not I incited these out, but I inside these out. <laughs> so I did right side them in for her after she had inside those out. She has maybe a career in music because. Um People tend to butcher words just so that they'll rhyme in uh, in their lyrics. So maybe she can start writing songs for folks. And she's uh, in a nine. The senses are completely alive to everything. She's reading every sign that we pass. And um, on our way to that game, by the way, we I didn't see the sign, but we passed. We were stopped at a at a light, and she was reading a sign on the building from the back seat. And she says, "It says Connecticut B cycle." It should say Connecticut Recycle, but they accidentally made the R a B, Connecticut B-Cycle. Light turned green. We went through the intersection. Uh, then her own light bulb went on, and she said, never mind, it's Connecticut Bicycle. <laughs> I forgot how that was spelled. I kind of prefer B-Cycle. What's, uh, what song is that from? Isn't that not a Queen song, something? Bicycle, B-cycle, B-cycle, I want to ride my B-cycle. B-cycle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Bicicleta. I'm sure at some point I purchased something for one of our kids um, for Little League baseball or softball online. And as a result, I'm once a day getting emails, not from a, a store, but from like a, a baseball or softball improvement place or person. And anyway, I um, before I deleted this one, I, I, I had to read it and, and very much appreciated it. I, I don't remember what they were selling, but um, this better is better softball through hypnosis, perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. But this is the a quote from uh, from the email header. This is an arm care tool you will want in your throwing toolbox. An arm care tool yes. you'll want in your in your throwing, throwing toolbox. What's in For your throwing who, toolbox? I, I don't know. I know what's in mine. One thing that's in my throwing toolbox is a fit. I can uh, throw a fit, 
Um, what else can we I throw? Think, I think by the time a you party, have... A party is in my throwing toolbox. By the time you have a throwing toolbox, you're presumed to have an actual toolbox. I don't even have one of those yet. <laughs> we, had, uh, we had to fix... I have a throwing bacon box. <laughs> we um, Over Thanksgiving, when my sister was over, um, we had to fix this something on the door and uh and my sister said uh or my maybe our my brother-in-law our our brother-in-law ronnie said do you guys have a some sort of wrench i forget what it was and my sister said we're talking about steve no he doesn't have a which kind of wrench was it it was a uh, socket allen wrench allen wrench no she said does he even know what one is which i took umbrage do you Um, know what one is of course because the only things things i've ever assembled have come with an allen wrench oh that's the one that comes with it what's the one that um, you adjust what's the one that what's the wrench that you adjust crescent wrench you that's a crescent yeah see i I know more my metaphorical toolbox my imaginary rhetorical toolbox is full one of those craftsmen uh, so what would be in your throwing toolbox what are the things that you throw I throw. Uh, I've thrown several college basketball games in a <laughs> fixing scandal. I've thrown up. I've thrown down. I've never seen you throw down. I'm glad, Have but I've heard the stories. Up? The stories are legendary. So you've thrown up. You've thrown down. You've thrown college basketball games. What else I've, have you thrown? I've uh, I've uh, thrown. What else have I thrown? I, I don't can't know if you think need anything else. Th- That's a pretty good list of, yeah, of things. Thrown so. a fit, thrown a uh, curveball. That's pretty much it. Yeah, those are all things in your throwing toolbox. By the way, on this uh, six going on seven day weekend, one of those days, the actual weekend on Saturday, uh, the kids mercifully slept in, uh, gorged on leftover turkey and stuffing and various pies. And um, I was up at my usual crack of dawn. And I was startled while in the kitchen listening to whatever Premier League match was on TV on Saturday morning to see the lumpen form of our son under a blanket on the couch. And I said to him, when did you get up? And he said, oh, in the 84th minute. (laughs) What did that translate to in... uh well, it was probably a seven forty-five Eastern kickoff. Eastern Standard Time. Probably a seven thirty uh, match, so it would have been, uh, you know, close to nine o'clock. I think at that point. We don't need to get into what made me think of this or why I'm asking this question, but perhaps you have an answer since you are a little bit older than I am and much smarter than me. But this is my question. This is where I'm supposed to protest and say, no, 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 no. no, no. I'm not older than you. No. <laughs> so, but this is a this is a really and, and perhaps we have quite a, a few um, doctors who listen to our to our podcast. So maybe one of them can write in um, ballandchainpod at gmail and, and give me the answer. But I was wondering when toenails start growing up, start growing up and getting thicker instead of just growing out like they do for most of your young life like is there a certain age where the toenail just says i'm going to start like getting thicker and and uh instead of just like being the toenail i always was you're looking at me confused you don't know what i'm talking about i'm perhaps i'm so old that i don't remember toenails growing in the manner that you describe although the toenails growing like fingernails where they just grew normally and they stayed thin and you cut them and whatever because like like you see toenails are like papery and yeah and you see like older people have these thick 
you know, you need to use a chainsaw you to get cut a, you, them. You have a, uh, toenails. a belt sander at the podiatrist. To, yes. To, or at the uh, And instead of salon. being clear with the white at the end, they, you know, get a different color. Just wondering, like, when does that start to happen? When do your toes get gnarly? Well, no. Do your toenails get gnarly? Because, yeah. When does that happen? I don't know, but it's a perfect and opportunity. And is it related to, like, lack of estrogen or lack of testosterone? Or, like, what is... What is going on in one's body to make their toenails do that? What is going on in one's mind to wonder what it is going on in one's body to make their toenails gnarly? You've always been interested in toenails or fingernails, and I know this because we've talked about this many times. Um, I don't think we've ever talked about this. Well, we've talked about years ago when Larry King still had his USA Today column, which was sort of dot, dot, dot. The Mets are terrific this year, dot, dot, dot. For my money, you can't beat... Pickle loaf, dot, dot, dot. Right. And one of those dot, dot, dots in the middle of a bunch of, you know, random thoughts was to the person who keeps sending me their toenail clippings in the mail, please stop. (laughs) We have mentioned this before, yes. Have we mentioned this on the podcast? Yes, I think so. But if we haven't, it's still such an incredibly great... Uh, We uh, should mention at least once a year. Yeah, true. A tribute to Larry King and his toenails. And it's really the only uh, toenail anecdote that I have, other than what I'm sure I've mentioned as well, the person clipping their toenails on a flight about 20 years ago and sending little crescent moons uh, cartwheeling across my field of vision as I looked down and saw their... They're barefoot, unsandaled, and being groomed before my very eyes. That would be another question I've had because I tend to help the kids, especially the younger two, cut their toenails because it can be a little bit tricky for them. It's hard to cut a nail without it, you know, doing that the gymnastics and landing somewhere else other than uh, exactly where you want it to make it easy to throw away. It's it's. It's nearly impossible, yeah. and and anybody who claims that they've collected all of the nail clippings in a in a neat little pile is is either deluding themselves or lying because there's always at least one that goes that goes cartwheeling into the stratosphere, never to be found again. And I've probably mentioned this before, but I, I distinctly remember my college roommate, her boyfriend, on occasion would cut his toenails and fingernails in our, our room, sitting on, on the couch in our little tiny dorm room, cut his fingernails and toenails, and just leave them on the floor. It was disgusting. <laughs> really? It was disgusting? <laughs> it was disgusting, yes. But it's un- uh, unbelievable. Um, but uh, I, I do think that if, we were, if you were to put two chimpanzees in a room with two microphones, perhaps in our basement, and they talked chimp language for a couple of hundred hours. At the end of those couple of hundred hours, they would get to talking toenails and hypnosis (laughs) when they must realize that uh, they've come to the end of their road. Let me ask you a quick question, though. I'm going to ignore the chimpanzee thing. Would that have been a deal breaker? Like when we started dating, if if I was sitting in your apartment and decided to not only cut my fingernails or toenails, but then just left them on your carpet, would that have been the, the end? Like, well, how would you have handled that? I think I would have discreetly vacuumed. Because you can discreetly vacuum. <laughs> well, you can't really discreetly vacuum. <laughs> you can just vacuum and pretend it. Would you, when I was on the ninth toe or the ninth fingernail, would you have gotten? Did you I even have, have a vacuum? I would have taken the hose attachment and, and, and 
vacuumed your your while I was yes, cutting them uh, as you were cutting. That, and actually, you didn't have a vacuum. Of course, I had a vacuum. You had a vacuum. I had a vacuum. Did you ever use the vacuum? Of course, I did. Your your apartment was pretty gross. It was gross because I was renting an apartment, and the landlord hadn't changed the carpet in. 20 years but and when you, I and when I and when I addressed that with the landlord who lived in New Orleans while my apartment was in New York City the landlord said uh, that he or she would go in half seas with me to replace the wall-to-wall carpeting well that's silly you're just renting it of course but and, and it had it had a, a a an iron burn in the middle of that I industrial that. carpet yeah where somebody years ago had put down an iron and it still had as many rental apartments that I rented had a sort of topographical map of where other people's furniture had been, right? Where they had, where they spilled the uh, pasta sauce, where they let the iron on on the carpet, and all that stuff. I just remember you had it. You had a, a desk that presumably you wrote on. I'm saying presumably it was because I remember table. it was covered with stuff, including like three or four plates that were all stuck together by a layer of syrup. That, that's so not true. I never. I was never. I was never. Uh, that is true. Slobby like that. No, that is true. Because I, I, it was on your desk, and it must have been egos because I, or takeout. But um, no, you had like three plates all stuck together from syrup, and I just remember thinking because you didn't have a kitchen table, so when you ate, apparently you ate at your desk. Most um, of my meals were held together by. By syrup. Aunt Jemima. And as I think back to it, there may have been a few fingernails and toenails. There were none. There were none. And you know <laughs> no, there were none. <laughs> but apparently that wasn't a deal breaker, though. Today I was at the grocery store and uh, I saw these. I took a picture of them. I will post them on our Instagram, which is at Ball and Chain Podcast. And so uh, they were in the aisle that has the crackers and... Um, which surprisingly, it wasn't in the aisle with the chips, but in the aisle with the crackers. Anyway, they were bag clips, a set of four bag clips. You know what I'm talking about, like when you're eating potato chip chips clips, and chip called. clips. Yeah. Well, these are called bag clips, and they're camouflage. <laughs> and it delighted me because why would you need a camouflage chip clip unless you're eating out of a camouflage? bag so my is it somebody who wasn't supposed to open the chips who opened the chips but doesn't want their spouse to know they've opened the chips and to hide the fact that they're open they put on a camouflage chip clip like also if what you're is the if point? you're like an elite army ranger and you're out where camouflage can actually camouflage you are you really Eating chips that are crunching in the in the out of a bag that make nothing makes more noise than when you put your hand in to a chip or a pretzel or a whatever bag. So anyway, I was fascinated. Our oldest daughter with, was with us uh, on the snow day. It was the one thing to just get her out of the house. Come with me to the grocery store, and she was probably horrified that I was taking a picture of the chip clips. But um, I'm st- I'm still a little bit fascinated by the purpose that they serve. By the way, the highlight of the of the snow days for me has been um, when the kids went out. The kids made a snowman, like a classic snowman, replete with pipe and carrot nose and all that scarf. Two hands made out of sticks, but with little uh, branchlets at the end of the sticks, so um, it looked like they looked like hands. And those hands, the way they the way they placed them, the arms looked like they were holding their hands in the air like this was a stick-up kind of a thing. Yeah. But the best part was um, in in 
contravention of every snowman making um, convention. They had the snowman facing our house. Yes. And when we asked our youngest why that was, she said, so mom could see it because they knew <laughs> dang well that you were not going to leave the house. Walk around the two feet of snow in the yard and look at the snowman from the That's street unfair. where if passing they, cars if, could see If it. they had built a snowman that was facing the street, of course I would have put my snow boots on and gone and taken a look at it. But I absolutely but, love the fact that it was facing the house because they made this snowman. They should enjoy it when they're looking out of their bedroom windows or looking out of the dining room window. They get to see the snowman in all his glory. Well, I didn't say in all his glory. Well, he's in he's in some good glory. He was. It was a good snowman. And it was our youngest who, as she said to me, I made his balls. And uh, I just looked at her and she started laughing and said, I, you know, she made the three the base. sections. Yeah, the base, the middle, and the head. And then her brother helped her... Uh, decorate. And then today our son made a massive snow fort covering um, maybe 15, 20 15, feet. 20 horizontal feet um, sort of brick by brick using round using snowballs and uh, came It was an in. interesting system because when I was a kid and made a snow fort I would just, you know, just pack yeah. a bunch of snow together. He was making individual snowballs and then using those yeah, as so his sort of ventilated. To make, yeah, to make the fort. And then he came in the house, and when he went back out 10 minutes later, the plow had come and plowed the driveway, and all the snow was pushed up against the snow fort and destroying the snow fort. So what you th- it, That snow fort took at least an hour, probably multiple hours for him to build. A couple of hours, I'd say, yeah. Shall we get the viewer mail? Yeah, let's get the viewer mail. Big bad hook, throw our lure, reel us in with your pure mail. Lori from Walla Walla. I just love that Lori is from Walla Walla. How many people do you know from Walla Walla that are actually from Walla Walla? I don't think I know anyone other than Lori from Walla Walla. Well, she's happy, she's happy to announce that the 2019 grape harvest is over and wine is in barrels awaiting the future. The area is most... Walla Walla, that is, is mostly known for its reds, but I'm fairly certain we can locate a beautiful Chardonnay for Rebecca. Did you know that Walla Walla was known for its its red wine? I, I did not know that, but I do know. You mentioned one time that I was drinking Chardonnay. I actually prefer, I don't drink very much wine, but when I do, I prefer red wine. So I can have a red uh, glass of red from Walla Walla. Uh, in preparation for an upcoming work trip, Lori writes, she dropped into her local used bookstore, Earthlights, for some reading material for the road. There it was, Stingray Afternoons, beckoning to me. Of course, I scooped it up and was off on my work journey. Thank you, Lori. I just love that. Earthlights in Walla Walla. It just has such a great ring to it. And uh, Lori, by the way, is working uh, Pac-12 games, directing Pac-12 games. Her crew was uh, doing great work and a pure joy. She can't call it a job ever. You're right, Rebecca, Team USA is going to be just fine. But Oregon, well, this is going to be a fun season of the Pac-12, that's for sure. But this email is is from a couple of weeks ago. And since then, Oregon this past weekend lost to uh, Louisville in a tournament in the Virgin Islands. So, so yeah, I thought Oregon had a great shot to, well, Pac-12 is really, really good this year. So I don't know that I thought they would go undefeated, but um, I didn't think they were going to lose early in the season. So congratulations, Jeff Walls and the Louisville Cardinal. That was an upset that not a lot of people saw coming. And uh, pursuant to that, if I may sound like a lawyer, we have an email here to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. And this comes from Hannah at Connecticut College. 
Oh, hey, Hannah. Yeah, she. I'm going to get to her question in a minute, but she says, uh, while listening to the podcast a few weeks ago when you were discussing your bacon debate in your house, it reminded me of my own bacon battle at home. My brother is skinny as a twig, and in an attempt to put some meat on his bones, my parents decided almost 10 years ago to give him bacon for breakfast every morning. We didn't really even decide that. We should have done that to our son. I did not receive that perk, so every morning I was tortured by the smell of bacon as I would sit there and eat my cereal and then head to school. Oh, the horror. Wait, they were I, making bacon for her brother but didn't offer her any? To, to fatten him up, yeah. Uh, you also discussed the National Anthem a very long time ago. I'm just finally getting around to sending the email. And what players or fans do during it as a player, I have a routine that I go through before every game. And what I do during the National Anthem is definitely part of that. As a fan, I just stand still like everyone else. So two different uh, postures as as a player and as a spectator. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But uh, finally, and this gets to the Oregon thing, Beck. You may have already dis- addressed this, but Rebecca, can you discuss how the women's college basketball rankings are done? I know there was a ton of controversy this week about Stanford getting pushed to number one and other teams not getting the bump they deserved after knocking off top-ranked teams. I find it really interesting that there isn't more about what goes into those rankings made public. Stay warm. Hannah from Connecticut College. Well, I'm one of the voters for the AP Top 25 poll, and um I don't know how many of us there are. I think there's at least 20. And um, every week we submit our votes. We, they have to be in by 10 a.m. on Monday. And I'm sure everybody has their own way of doing it. I spend a fair amount of time on it. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because, for example, this week not only did number one Oregon lose to Louisville, but number two Baylor lost to South Carolina. So you would think, okay, that means South Carolina should move up to number two because I think South Carolina was five or six. The thing is, two days before South Carolina beat um, Baylor, they lost to, I think, number 17 ranked Indiana. So at least in my poll, if they hadn't had that loss, I probably would have put South Carolina two, but they did. They lost by double digits to a team farther down in the poll. So, you know, I didn't give them as much of a bump. Um so for you know when I look at it, it's you know what's the quality of the team that 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 you uh, lost to or that you beat, and um, you know oftentimes I'm comparing certain, especially at the bottom of the poll, teams 20 through 25. If there's been losses there and movement, I'm comparing not only teams one loss record, but I'm comparing who their wins were against or their losses were against. It's a relatively time-consuming process for me. That but, actually is your Sunday night sort of alarm clock isn't it yeah i mean you have to do the ap poll yeah you'll um because especially if i've been in studio all day i'll come home and and what happens is the person who runs the ap poll is a guy named doug feinberg and he sends out an email um lists all the teams that were in the previous week's top 25 and what they did that week um so he might say you know lost to this team beat this team beat this team and you know goes down the whole way but then you're expected to do more work on your own um and explore those games more and in the best world, you've seen some of those games. Um, and so you know if the score reflects exactly how close or not close the game was. Anyway, um, it is quite a bit of a process. And so all of us submit our votes electronically. And, you know, different points get, are given to teams based on where they're voted. And um, and then that's how it's broken down. So, uh, so Stanford has not lost yet this year. They have a lot of good wins um, coming into... The week, I think they were ranked third. So when teams one and two lost, Stanford became one, even though they're not the team that beat the first and second ranked team. AP should do a weekly podcast, just like 10 minutes long, explaining, you know, what's going on behind the... uh 
Yeah, they should. They should just get a few people because I know on Twitter some South Carolina fans were upset with me. I think that I didn't um, I didn't move South Carolina in my poll. I actually, even though UConn hadn't lost, UConn dropped in my poll because other teams leapfrog them like of course Louisville in my poll was going to go um, go up high but I think I may have had them fourth Um, and I only dropped Oregon and Baylor one spot each because their losses were to really good teams so that's how I voted on mine and and mine um, often differs a little bit from the one that comes out the next day but um, it is a, a, a process that is more than you know, ooh, I like this team and they won, so I'm going to move them up. It, 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 there's a lot more thought that, that goes into it than that. Well, let's get back to the camouflage chip clip. That's okay. that's would be ideal for hiding your chips, right? Yes. Well, uh, this comes from Jim, our Canadian resident, resident Canadian. He writes, hi, Steve and Rebecca. Here's our story of food hiding. When our son was in high school, my wife and I left for work before he was up, and we returned after he got home. Any snacks we had in the house were usually cleaned out within a day or two. He did have some chores to take care of once he got home from school that usually weren't done until we walked in the door. One trick I had was to hide stuff in suitable places before we left in the morning. The dishwasher full of clean dishes worked for a bag of chips for a couple of weeks. So there you go. Say that again? The dishwasher full of clean dishes worked for a couple of weeks to hide a bag of chips. (laughs) That's better than the camouflage chip clip. Certainly. Just camouflage it by hiding it in a... In the dishwasher that needs emptying. Express Isle writes, Jim, I noticed our local grocery store has a sign that says one to 12 items in our express lane, avoiding the fewer slash less discussion. The woman in front of me with a bunch of grapes was pretty upset when I asked her to use a different aisle. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Jim. I'm going to jump out of viewer mail for a second. This weekend, one of the things we did um, on Sunday, just as the snow was was arriving, is we went to the XL Center, which is the arena in Hartford, to a UConn men's basketball game to watch the the UConn men take on Maine. And one of the reasons we went was because our sixth grade son, our team, got to play for seven minutes at halftime of that game. And as soon as the game started, I... I noticed when um, when the coaches from the main team stood up, I noticed that they had a female assistant coach. And um, it was striking to me because we don't see that very often. And I know in the W, I'm sorry, in the NBA, there's been a trend the last couple of years to hire a, a number of women as assistants on NBA, on the staff of NBA teams. So anyway, I looked and the player or the coach was Ednisha Curry, who was a player in the WNBA. I was really surprised stunned a little bit to learn she's the only female assistant in all of division one men's basketball that seems crazy to me because there are so many good qualified coaches female coaches and and i don't say this as to think that coaching uh, a men's team in any way is a step above coaching a women's it's just a job and uh and i'm surprised that more head coaches haven't hired women but as we, we went down, um, I brought the boys team down. There's 11 sixth grade boys who were just busting at the seams. They could not wait for halftime to get on the court, on this big court where they were watching um, these two teams play to get out there and have a chance to play themselves. And and as we were waiting, it was right near the tunnel where the men, the main men's team would leave the court. And uh, the players ran by as they're on their way to the locker room. Some of them hit the, gave fives to, to some of our boys. But then uh, the main head coach, Richard Barron, came by and he high-fived every single one of the boys on the team. And it just, 
it left an impression. And he actually used to be the the head women's coach there. It's just been the past two years that he's he's become the head men's coach. But um, they were down. I don't know at that point they were definitely down double digits. And he, with a smile on his face, still came by and like said hello to all the boys. And it wasn't because I was there. He didn't even notice me until he went through the whole line. So it was just a really sweet thing. I'm gonna be paying attention to how the main men's team does the rest of the season, not only because the head coach was so good to the boys, but because they have the only female assistant coach in all of Division One men's basketball. And an international lineup from, I think, Norway and Bosnia and Ukraine and a lot of cold weather places. You've got the Ukraine, Canada, Sweden, Turkey, Serbia, Canada again, Denmark, another Serbian, Latvia. This is the um, this London, England. This is the Lebanon. This is the 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 roster. Sweden, Lebanon, New Hampshire. And well, this is the best part: is the one guy who starts from Maine is from Norway, Maine. Wow. <laughs> Going back to ball and chain pot at gmail.com. This comes in from Victoria. She writes, The podcast makes me laugh out loud frequently. This week's discussion of airline etiquette was incredibly timely as I happened to be listening on a flight from Aruba to Atlanta. Mm. My husband and I both like aisle seats, so we were sitting across from each other. I'm generally pretty lucky with travel and have rarely had annoying seatmates. However, this trip was an exception, and it provided me with some thoughts for possible rules that travelers might follow. Was her seatmate cutting his or hers toenails i don't know his or her toenails or hair spreading let's Let's, find out let's find out one know what your seat number is prior to actually stepping on the plane or at least keep your boarding pass available standing in the aisle searching blindly in your bag is not ideal two take your giant backpack off prior to entering the cabin or remain aware that when you turn in the aisle you're likely using said backpack to give those in the aisle seats me in this case a mild concussion she was bag slapped bag slapped exactly Three, understand that I'm delighted you are learning a new language, but as you interact with whatever app you're using, it might be best to use headphones. <laughs> Four, last but certainly not least, if you spent the hours prior to the flight sunbathing in Aruba, your seatmate, again me, would greatly appreciate it if you would take a shower. <laughs> Fortunately, we live outside of Atlanta in Alpharetta, so only one flight to deal with this time, but certainly one of the less pleasant ones in recent memory. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you. Victoria. Hi, uh, writes Dave in uh, Greater Los Angeles. Will the book tour for Knights in White Castle hit Greater Los Angeles soon? I look forward to it if so. Well, let me just say this. People, I'm flattered that people often ask, will your book tour come to Los Angeles, Dallas, wherever it may be? And the answer is, is the book tour primarily consists of me flying to a place and selling and signing books. There is no formal tour if you can bring a crowd of 40 people and I can sign 25 books, that's that's how I base the book tour. Of course, flying from Hartford to Los Angeles to Hard. sell 20 books is, is not economically practical. And harder than it used to be because they no longer have that one direct flight a day. Exactly. But the next time I'm in Los Angeles, and I get there semi-regularly, I should sign books. For anybody who's this interested. is a good time to mention that if anybody for Christmas or ho- the holidays or just because wants to have you um, sign a book, you're happy to do that. Just send an email to you at ballandchainpod at gmail.com and we can figure out how to do that. You've done that for quite I've a number of people. I've done many now. of them. Many of them. It yeah. works out, it's, has worked out fine. I, I took four books to the post office today. Uh, signed books. You mentioned on the pod, writes Dave, uh, taking a break from Steve Russian memoirs while well, I'm taking a, I mean, I'm 
really just between books, trying to write my way into the next one. Assuming Rebecca's interested, have you ever thought about ghostwriting her remarkable story? Ghostwriting. Is that a way of saying that my I can't write my own story? Well, I think why they, do I need a ghost? There's your answer. Uh, I, I I wouldn't ghostwrite it, but um, I think you and I could collaborate uh, in, in but, an interesting way on a book. But it, it would be I don't know what it would be about. Uh, I I was gonna say I wouldn't ghostwrite your book, but I would ghost read it. I would have somebody <laughs> else read it for me. <laughs> I'm sure you would. And actually, that would be a uh, that would really test our marriage because that would be you not only silently correcting my grammar, but verbally correcting my grammar and then in writing editing me and in, in just not even for punctuation or whatever it would be for content <laughs> and i don't know how i would handle that uh finally libraries were discussed on a recent pod writes dave i've been wondering what happened to the remarkable sports illustrated library described glowingly in knights and white castle is it still intact in any form and if not what happened to it it's a great question i, I described the knights and white castle the world's greatest sports library in the time and life building at sports illustrated on the 18th floor um, like any other library, but devoted exclusively to sports, and most amazingly of all, shelf after shelf after shelf on these stacks of red uh, file folders by different subjects. Every athlete, Lobo, comma, Rebecca, would have been 1995-1996, then it would have been another folder, 96-97, all predating the Internet. Well, when was done by year. Done, well, for for. I mean, if so you like if Cal you played Ripken one, would if, have this huge, yeah. If you want, bunch of yeah, if red you played folders. one one game in the big leagues, you know, there might be a couple of newspaper clippings in there. But but before the internet, librarians there clipped uh, stories from newspapers, magazines. Uh, there were media guides in there, and it was it was the one place before Google. You could go and say, um, I want to look up uh, stuff about. I'm not going to say Muhammad Ali. He had shelves devoted to him, but. But name an obscure athlete, and and there would be a folder devoted to him. And they also kept uh, box scores pasted into three-ring binders of every baseball game, Major League Baseball game played at, for every season. And you could go back and, and look Do those you know up. What year they started doing that? Like how? 1954, how? when the magazine started. And and and. But to answer Dave's question, what happened to it? I, I direct you to again to Google, and uh, Jeff Perlman, formerly of SI, wrote a kind of an obituary for that library. Uh, in the Guardian. So if you look up Sports Illustrated Library, the Guardian, Jeff Perlman, uh, you'll see his obit for that library, which I, as far as I know, disappeared when they moved from the Time and Life building down to uh, Liberty Street in lower Manhattan a few years ago, which is a shame. But uh, such is such is progress. Uh, Dave, I'll send you out swag. Dr. Dave, I should say. Dr. Dave asks, can he be the resident environmental engineer to answer queries on all things water and beyond? I say yes. Yes. How great to have a water expert in Los Angeles because I read a fascinating book um, about bringing of water to L.A., which is what made L.A., of course, uh, uh, Mulholland, bringing water through the uh, whatever. Yeah, you were, t- you were yeah. telling the kids when we were out in L.A. this past summer for uh, our Boring them to tears, for our yeah. vacation. Anytime we went down a street or something that triggered um, a story from that book, you would tell them I was interested. I think they were um, – Turning the volume Less up so, on yeah. their uh, devices. <laughs> Hi, Rebecca and Steve, writes Danielle. I heard you mention you got your daughter a Nafisa Collier Lynx jersey for her birthday. I'm looking for one for my 10-year-old. Oh, we, perhaps we shouldn't say this uh, if the 10-year-old happens to be listening, but let's presume she's not. And can't find them anywhere. Are you able to share where you found your Nafisa Collier Lynx jersey? I can share that. If you go, it's a website called fanatics.com. And um, they don't sell Nafisa Collier jerseys. 
But what they do sell is like a customized jersey. You can put any name and Customizable, number on it. Yeah. yeah. So you, I, for, for our daughter, I just put Collier and the number. Um, I could have put her name and number on it, but she wanted the Collier jersey. So you can't specifically find an Afisa Collier jersey, but you can find a Minnesota Lynx customizable jersey. It's not um, that much more expensive than uh, a regular Lynx jersey would be, and uh, you can make it there. Um, Kate with one T in St. Paul writes, she's she's the sister of Alex with one X in St. Paul, who has written to us about uh, uh, Urinal Heights, the Lost Trumpet, and the Almond Joy's Got Nuts jingle. Uh, and she's feeling very jealous of Alex for getting that viewer mail on. Um, anyway, she was asking if she could send us a gift. And uh, there's a photo of two gorgeous, I imagine, made by herself, um, North Star, Minnesota North Stars, the defunct Minnesota North Stars kitchen towels. They're fantastic. I hope that's the gift we're getting because they would look they would make a, a great that compliment whatever to our kitchen. the gift is that we're getting um i don't know i don't hope anything i just thank you for any gift secondly she wanted to know where she can get my one of my it's a no-brainered t-shirts i got that near brainerd at meg's cabin on main street in niswa and i don't know that they still have it. that was two summers ago and and you know a, a neon green it's a no-brainered t-shirt like that i would think they'd be out of stock pretty quickly wouldn't you I'm sure they were. John, with no H, writes, uh, perhaps you know this gentleman and may have already seen this article. In fact, I did. It's from a year ago. It's my friend, Austin Murphy. I do know him very well, uh, who wrote a year ago about uh, in the Atlantic about um, uh, delivering goods over the holiday season for Amazon. And, um, you know, having written for Sports Illustrated at um, Beautiful Writer for, for 30 years, you know about the uh, the the uh, consolations and and difficulties of, of delivering for Amazon. Um, I'm happy to say Austin, uh, after this fantastic article appeared and and was widely read, returned to writing. F- uh, he's uh, he's writing for the Santa Rosa Press Democrat now in Northern California where he lives. But uh, it's a great article if anybody hasn't seen it, um, and it's certainly a worthwhile read this time of year when people are presumably delivering packages to your door that will soon be stolen by uh, porch pirates. Finally, George in Columbus, Dr. George, my monocle dealer and my croquis uh, supplier. I I like to think of him as my pumpkin carver. Our our gourd connection? (laughs) Yes. Well, did you know that he's also a poet? He submits uh, the BNC Poetry Slam submission as the header, and he writes, Stephen Rebecca, the discussion... uh, of your daughter's experience with Steve's car seat warmers prompted me to submit these song lyrics that my kids and I wrote one cold morning several years ago when I was driving them to school. We finished the first verse that morning and added the second verse sometime later. Not exactly Cole Porter, I grant you, but hopefully good enough to make the cut for the BNC Poetry Slam. Since the lyrics are sung to the old cowboy tune Ghost Riders in the Sky, I'm hearing Johnny Cash's voice in my head as I read that, this could be an opportunity for Steve to share his singing voice and piano skills with your audience if only... If only I could had time to learn this on piano. I should that share my be, that would piano be a good skills. Christmas gift from us to our listeners is to have you um, a little have you play a little piano for well, us. Well, I, I I'm starting to learn have yourself a merry little Christmas. Um, but you know I I could play something that Can I actually that know goal? at this point. Can you get that um, to a I'll try to work up something. I'll Christmas. try to work up something, and if not, I'll play something else uh, and and drive our listeners away in droves. But, okay. But warmers in the seats. 
Now imagine Johnny Cash singing, yippee ki okay, mm-hmm. to Ghost Riders in the Sky. We went out to the car one day, a chill was in the air. We had to find a way to warm our precious derrieres. When all at once I saw a switch that said it'd warm our seats, I flicked it on and sat a while and waited for the heat. Cold weather treat, rump roasting heat, but warmers in the seats. With swirling snow and howling wind, it was an arctic blast, the kind that frees your fanny off but will not be half-assed. For in this trusty motor car, we will not face defeat. It comes equipped with tush defrost, and that you cannot beat. Cold weather treat, rump roasting heat, but warmers in the seats. George and Columbus. I think that's absolutely beautiful, George. I think Tom, Dick, and Harry should record that. I think they should. But until they do. On behalf of Denny with one N Gallagher. Steve and me. Tom, Harry, all three dicks. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and ambiguous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.